Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. So today we get to enter into a passage of scripture that I love. It's, it's one of my favorites, actually. And I think it's something that is important for all of us because it asks a very important question. As we look at the gospel, we have to begin to look at the book of Matthew and what we've seen up to this point. We have to set, give you the setting of this. And it's really important that we know this. These guys, the disciples have been walking with Jesus. They've seen miracles. Heck, Peter's walked on water. They've seen 5,000 people be fed. Um, they are beginning to have crowds that follow them everywhere they go. And yet, um, in the midst of all of this, they are also facing great opposition. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, are beginning to really turn on them. They don't want anything to do with them. He threatens so many things that they have in their life. And it's so important that we know that. Not only that, as we set the set stage for what's happened up to this point, Jesus takes them to an interesting place. He takes them to Caesarea Philippi. So this is a place that's about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It's a little further removed. And not only is it a, um, a little further out from the Jewish center of the world that they know, it also is a, has been a center of worship for different gods. Baal, the Greek god Pan, and right now Caesar. And in fact, at this point, it is full of Syrian and Greek population that are pagan in their beliefs. I mean, in fact, the city has just been renamed to Caesarea Philippi to, one, um, to worship Caesar and two, to worship Philippi or the, by Philip, the son of Herod, the great. And so as these things come together, Jesus has taken them to a setting that wouldn't necessarily be friendly. And I'm not really sure completely why he would take them to the place, but I have a couple of thoughts. And one may be that sometimes it's good just to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we need to get further away from our home to begin to understand what we believe. We did that oftentimes with high school kids. We'd go on a camp trip. We would take them further and further away from home. And it was amazing the things that they held on to that they carried in front of themselves at home, they would let go of. But it also could be that Jesus is giving them a glimpse. He's already sent them out once, but he's giving them a glimpse of what the world that they will be going into in their mission, what it's going to look like, that it's not always going to be easy, and there's not always going to be people that agree. So in the midst of this disdain of the Jewish religious leaders, in the midst of a pagan region, Jesus asks some very crucial questions. And there are no real certainties, again, why they're there, but we know that they are there for a reason, as Jesus asked the first question. And the first question is one that really is a setup for the second, Jesus is gathered with his disciple, and he already knows probably what people think. He has an idea. He's been amongst the crowds. He's been amongst the people, but he has an idea that people have some thoughts about him. And so he asks this general question. It's a question that is, is important to set up what happens next. Because what do other people think of me? What are they saying about me? And this is a really fair question. It's safe to ask what the general consensus is. He wants to know um, and what they hear, the prevailing thought of the day of who he is. When I used to take high school kids to camp, this would be one of the first questions that I would ask in a cabin time. We'd spend the first day at camp together, and then we would go to our cabin time. And as we'd sit there and talk, the first question is usually something pretty benign, like, what do you hope to get out of this week? 
But the second sets of question would always be, what do you think kids in your school would say about Jesus? Who do you think they say that he is? And it was really interesting to get their responses, to hear what they would say, because it really gave a, an insight into what people are saying about Jesus, what they think. And we could do that in our world today, and we know that there are any number of things that we hear. Jesus was a great teacher. He was, um, he's all of these things that are good. We think highly of him. Heck, he was a revolutionary. He changed everything around him. But that's not what he was trying to get at. That's not, at this point, he's just asking what the consensus is. And it wasn't to set a trap at all. Because the next question becomes more important. It becomes more pressing to each of us. As the disciples answer it, this question, it's clear that people they encounter think Jesus is different and set apart. Many, many people thought that Jesus was one of the former Jewish prophets. Some of the greats, in fact, they list some very big names that everyone would know, Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. They even say other things. He may be a new prophet, his own prophet. They had good thoughts about Jesus, but they didn't have the correct information. They weren't necessarily antagonistic towards Jesus, but they were incomplete. They didn't know exactly. The people around weren't certain of who he was. We also have to recognize at this point, this is not the information age. They can't Google it. Um, And not everyone has all the details about Jesus at this point. Some are going off of probably rumor and what they've heard. And some maybe have been in the crowds and watched him. And so they're kind of trying to to figure out what it is or who he is. They know that he's special. They know that he's different because of what he's been doing. But this is not the question that Jesus is going to leave the disciples with because the disciples knew Jesus. They walked with him. They went along this path. They've seen him. They know him. And so Jesus next moves into the more pressing question. And this is really more important. And this is one that isn't just for them, but it's for each of us. It's very specific. As we look at verse 15, he says, But who do you say that I am? He's asked what others think, but now he asks us, what do you think? What do you know about Jesus? Who do you say that I am? The question gets to the heart of the disciples' understanding of who Jesus is and why he came. The first question was the setup for the second, and it's very pressing. We can't miss this question as Jesus asked it of his disciples. We also have to be aware that it's being asked of us as well. This is a question that becomes transformational. It defines really who we are and future changing. It's ultimately an answer, a question that we all have to answer. Who do you say Jesus is? The heart penetrating question is followed by a heartfelt response. Peter, on behalf of the other disciples, offers an answer to Jesus' question. And this is what he says. He says, Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus responds to him. Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. If you know Peter, there's no surprise that he becomes the spokesman for the disciples. And from what we know about Peter, we know that he's not afraid to speak up. In this case, he speaks up on the behalf of the disciples. In the middle of a town devoted to pagan, a pagan god, in a time that religious leaders around them were rejecting Jesus, 
And most of them have, an, and most of the people that they come in contact with have an incomplete or distorted view of his true identity. Peter announces, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. In a place where gods have been created that are not living, he speaks of a God who is alive, who is on the throne. This is his son. Peter doesn't always get it right, as we know. He makes mistakes along the way, probably like many of us. But this is the same Peter we know that will soon deny Christ. And it will act impulsively in the garden. Same Peter who seems to speak first often and think later. But he got it right this time. Jesus is both the Messiah and he is the Son of God. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just another way to God. He is the Christ, the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the way. And Peter understood this. And for each of us, we must understand that as well. Jesus himself acknowledged that Peter got it right. What it must have felt like for Peter when he says this to him. You got it right, Peter. You got it. Jesus commended Peter and said, blessed are you. And Jesus says Peter is blessed because of what he said about Jesus. Jesus didn't correct him at all. He didn't say he got close. He says that you're blessed, Peter. In a time not so different than our own, a time when people were demanding signs and miracles, they all wanted some proof. And Peter knew the truth because he was not smarter and he was not wiser, but because God had revealed it to him. Peter is so blessed that he couldn't have come up with it on his own, nor did he learn it by human wisdom. It's the paradox of what we believe, that God gives us our faith. He reveals this to us. And as Peter makes this confession, it comes from a place of God revealing it to him. Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And only God can reveal this kind of divine truth. Sometimes we wonder why people don't believe despite all the evidence. Maybe it's because God must open their eyes. And we pray for that, and we look for conversations to begin to enter into, that the Holy Spirit would move and open their hearts and eyes to who Jesus is. So then the question again, who do you say Jesus is? Jesus not only commended and affirmed Peter, but he also gave him a glimpse of the church, of the mission that lies ahead. And this is the last point. These final few verses that we enter into with this are some of the most controversial verses in, in Scripture, most argued over in the history. They divide Catholicism and Protestantism in many ways. Verses have created confusion among like-minded believers, and they force many into unnecessary theological divisions. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now, first, we have to answer a few of these questions. Who's the rock? It's kind of confusing. The name Peter sounds familiar with the word rock in Aramaic and in Greek. So is it's, maybe Jesus is calling Peter the rock, or is he just making a play on the words to communicate something else. Maybe Jesus is saying Peter is indeed the rock which the church will be built. This makes sense in one regard because Peter was one of the instrumental apostles in the early church, and his name sounds like it. Or maybe he was speaking of himself, Jesus was. He was saying, as your name means rock, Peter, I will build the church on myself, the better rock. 
That could make sense as well. And some say the rock is the confession that Peter made that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The confession will be the rock upon which the church is built. Again, we're not 100% sure, but I don't want to get caught in all of the details of that because what we do need to know, what Jesus meant, but we'll see the same point, that Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation that the church will be built on. The second question is, what does he mean by the gates of hell will not overpower the church? Jesus, to Jesus, as he says this, could mean something like the power of death or the power of the grave. I believe Jesus is telling them that neither spiritual darkness nor the power of death will be able to stop the work of Jesus through the church, through us, through the believers, the body. And the third question, or what are the keys? And I believe this point is saving power of the gospel of Jesus. As the apostles and later the church proclaim the message of Jesus, those who accept the message will be saved from their sin. The keys to heaven are held in the message and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I do want to make sure that we understand, each of us, that we need to know, is that regardless of the roles of the apostles in the early church, there's little doubt who the true foundation of the church is and what it becomes. Peter himself says it in 1 Peter 2.6. As he points to Jesus as the cornerstone, he says, For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. The truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is the foundational truth that changes the world. Not only that, it changes all who believe. It defines who we become. This profession is not just saying words. It's not just getting the answer correctly. It changes our heart. It changes who we are and what we believe. It's important that we understand our response. Again, it's not to have the right answer. It's understanding also that our response transforms our lives and who, we're, who we are becoming in Christ. It is in this profession of Jesus as Messiah that changes what we value, what we hope for, the way that we live and love those around us. This question that Jesus first asked his disciples and now us is not just to get it correctly, but it should change our perspective on the world around us as we walk towards those who are lost, broken, lonely, those who are with or without. It's not that we understand and have more knowledge, but we are being charged and changed to go into the world with a message of hope and life to those around us. Again, I, I want to point out it's incredibly important that we get this, that this is a question that we all have to answer. This is not just a question for the disciples in a time. It's for each of us. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that I am? It's important that we recognize as we are asked this question, what are we building our lives on? What is the foundation that we put our own lives on? And it makes us consider deeply and look introspectively at what God's doing in our lives, what he's already changed, but also what are we giving our lives to? What are we building on? What are we putting our faith in? Is it in our legacy that we leave behind for others? Are we putting our foundation on our family? Are we consumed by hard work? Is our life built on our money or our job? 
or our reputation or our intelligence or our friends. And the list goes on and on. But if that's what we're building our foundation on, that's not complete. That's not transformational. And what is transformational is our faith in Jesus Christ that changes who we are and who we're becoming. So as I finish today, I would want to end with this question. What is your foundation built on? Who do you say that Jesus is? It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.